Hello and welcome to a new podcast from the London Library, in which interesting people tell us about the books that have shaped their lives. I'm Philip Marshall, Director of the London Library, and today's guest is Nigel House, founder of Rough Trade Records. Well, hello and welcome to the London Library, Nigel House. Nigel co-founded Rough Trade, London's most famous, iconic record store. I'm sure you agree. I mean, I've known you for many years. Nigel, but I thought it'd be really interesting to to have you in to talk about the books that have formed a part of your life and been important to you. Because the last time I went into your your shop, it felt like a library. It felt like you were the chief librarian (laughs) and you'd got your very carefully curated collection of of music. People could come in and listen and enjoy. They didn't have to buy. Um, Obviously, some people did. And it felt like a library. Is that how it feels to you? Yes, it is. I suppose it is. I mean, I think today, particularly, there's so much out there. So many, sorts of, so much music, so much information, so many books, so much everything that you need an, an edited, curated list of everything. And I suppose I've always seen our shops as being what I'd want to have at home. You know, I always think there's two sorts of music, good and bad. And I think it was oh, Duke Ellington or somebody like that who said that. You know, you just want the great things in there. You know, we don't have any Yes, we don't have any any Emerson, Lake and Palmer. You know, sometimes you just got to say, actually, no, we don't need this. We don't want this. I mean, it doesn't mean it's right. You know, people can't like it. Just sometimes you just have to say, you know, this is what we're suggesting you should listen to. And it's become such a famous store mm. rough trade that um and a very cool place to to go and yes part of being cool when it comes to music is hearing those and and, and buying the music that is uh, no, no one else knows about and yeah. by the time it becomes popular then you've moved on to the next thing yeah um but of course you you have a quite a famous clientele as well don't you i mean lots of musicians come in as, as, yes. as well and enjoy yeah i mean loads of them do they always have done um and you know we just just treat them as normal people they're just they're just ordinary people i hate this thing of you know people tweeting that so and so's been in the shop or stuff like that but mm. you know lots of people come in the shop all the time we they're just customers looking for music mm. and they just want to talk about music a lot of them as well mm. we had the uh the drummer from u2 come into the um larry West... mullen jr is that right uh, well i'll take your word for that but um <laughs> i'm a big fan he, he was in our west london shop and chris who works there he's the manager there he's a big fan of you too and he was just serving him and uh he just said oh that's uh, some interesting records you got there or cds it was actually and uh he said what are you doing he said oh, i'm a drummer oh yeah on tour at the moment oh, which band are you with then <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, uh, but he was fine about it and you know it's like oh god i really like you as well i just didn't recognize you <laughs> but that's kind of cool I think, or I never recognise anybody. It's really helpful. I think you told me once you had someone interesting work for you in your shop. <laughs> yes, Adele. Yes, <laughs> Adele. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So between, so after the first album came out, nineteen, she lived in the area in West London, and her manager Jonathan came in and said, you know, would you consider sort of taking her on as a work experience? You know, he said, yeah, okay, that's fine. So she, uh, she was great. She came in for a whole summer between the album nineteen and then. 21 and she um i think she's just looking for a bit of structure to her life she's only young and i think she wanted there's two things she wanted to you know hear what was new and was coming out but also she needed to be able to sort of, right i've got to get up today i've got to go and you know do some work and it's great we, we just treated her like anybody else i mean she wasn't huge like she is now she was but she was pretty popular i think 19 sold a million copies or something so it's pretty popular but 
remember she came in. She used to come in the shop anyway, but she came in and said, okay, I want to do work experience. That's fine. Okay, so I said, okay, we need to choose a day for you to do it. So you, and we will rely on you. You need to come in every week on that day. Okay, fine. Okay, Thursday. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I can do Thursdays, except I can't do next Thursday. I'm playing the Hollywood Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, that's okay. You can have next Thursday off. <laughs> I love the I love the idea that Adele needed work experience yes. in, a, in a record shop yeah. um, because obviously, in case the in case the music career thing didn't quite <laughs> yes. happen for her, so yeah. it'd be something to fall back on. Yes. She'd yeah. be working in yeah. in a shop. Yeah, uh, she can come back anytime. She was really good most of the time. She stayed behind. She was behind the counter, um, sort of in the doing processing and stuff. But she'd come out and people would say, "Is that Adele?" Yeah. yeah, and we always kept quiet about it because you know. I don't like this social media stuff. And um, so we kept quiet about it. And then when must have been 21 came out, I think she came round with a film crew from America. <laughs> this was, was Jay Leno or something like that saying, this is, these are my haunts. And she came round with the film crew. This is where I did my work experience. <laughs> and so now we get uh, so many people. Did Adele really work here? How and funny. She, yeah, I know. She was She's great. Elton John comes in quite a lot, into the shop quite a lot. Does and he? people, yeah, and people um, kind of do a double take, you know, like, really? I can imagine. You know, <laughs> yeah. But most of the time they just, you know, ignore him, Yeah, which is great. Well, there's something similar to that in the library in that I think there are a lot of very well-known mm. writers, actors, journalists, TV presenters, so on in the in the um, in the membership here, unless they unless they're very well known faces on television, I, I don't suppose many people would recognise mm. them. But I think even those who might be recognised come here and they are treated just like anyone else. Yeah. Um, so it's a it's another similarity, perhaps. Yes, we exactly. Yeah. 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 Let's move on to your selection of books, okay. which is a very interesting selection. <laughs> and the f most notable thing, just right up front is that there isn't a book about music in your selection <laughs> yes. and, and so we'll come on to the fact you spent so much of your life in music but uh, not a single music book have you selected so why is that do you not read music books um i suppose i just think with music you, you know i listen to music and i think it's very hard to sort of write about it really mm. hard to write about it and biogs I'm never very interested in those, really. I yeah. suppose sometimes, I mean, I think Dylan's, what was it, Chronicles, that was quite a good book. But, you know, those those books of, and then this happened, and then that happened, I'm not that interested. Mm. I mean, there's a book about rough trade that I've never read, actually. Right. Because, you know, I just think, I was there. I know, yeah. you know, yeah. I know what I remember. And, you know, maybe that's the same as what these other people remember. But, you know, I just, no. I suppose yeah. maybe books are more of an escape, aren't they? Perhaps, I don't know. I did wonder whether you'd ever read some of the very popular music-focused books like um, The Commitments by Roddy Doyle or High Fidelity <laughs> by Nick Hornby. Yes. I think Nick Hornby always strikes me as someone, actually, who... Um, it's quite similar to you because he has he has his wonderful um, love of football, which yeah, I know you also love, similar. as well, yes. and and music. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read High Fidelity? Of course, we went on this shop outing. Everybody went along to see High Fidelity when it uh, when it came out uh, as as a movie. As a movie, yeah. yeah. But obviously, I read the book and I read the um, uh, football one as well. Fever Pitch. Fever yes, Pitch. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, God, I read that, and it's it is like my life. I can remember going to. You're an interview at Wells Cathedral School on the day of the FA Cup final. You know, being more interested in the score of the football than, uh, <laughs> than uh, going to Wells Cathedral. But um, Stephen Frears, who directed the film, 
he um, lived up the road from um, the West London shop and he came in with John Cusack. I think, was it John Cusack? Yeah, the it? movie, yes, yeah, And yeah. pointed at me and said, that's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you yeah. are John Cusack's yes, character. But, but... Um, I'm not anything like that. Your first choice, Swallows and Amazons. Yes. Tell us about your, your childhood. I'm assuming that was a book from your, from your childhood. I was brought up on a farm in Somerset and I suppose, you know, we lived a a life a bit like swallows and amazons you know in the holidays we just go out for the day around the farm and you know i don't know what my mother was ever thinking of i mean you know but in those days you could just go off and wander off and that's what we used to do and it was um you know we used to go off fishing mm-hmm. building dens yeah you know and i was just looking at this this version of swallows and amazons it's got a a map at the front mm. and you know i've always loved maps and I still, you know, we're going on holiday to Sicily quite soon. I've already got the map. I've already sort of looked at oh, it. excellent. I love maps. And you can look and see where you're going to go. And I think one of the things about the old social media these days and Google Maps is nobody really looks at maps anymore. They just kind of like follow their thing on their phone. But when you get a map out, oh, they're just fantastic. Oh, there's something very exciting about pirates and exactly. buried treasure. Yeah, and, exactly, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it was just great. I can remember... It's, uh, when I was at uh, primary school, we had, I had to write a um, write a story, and it was total Arthur Ransom, and uh, we still got it at home somewhere. My wife brings it up fairly regularly, and she's <laughs> because at the end, um, the boys get given fishing tackle and the girls get given kitchen utensils. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just like, uh, I was very young though. I was very young at the time, but it's just like. <laughs> Oh, God, she, yeah, she always brings it up. <laughs> Whenever you give her some kitchen utensils as a birthday present. <laughs> exactly, yes. Very good. So, uh, yes. so, so you enjoy, obviously, the, the adventure of it, and it, um, and you had similar adventures by the sounds of yes. it. Yes. Is there anything um, else about the book that, that grabbed you, or did you enjoy the whole series, or did you just read I, just, I read all of them. Yeah. I read the whole series. I just loved all of them. Arthur Ransom was a member of the library, and there is a story about him travelling in Russia during the war, um, coming to a checkpoint without any official papers, being stopped and asked for his papers, and the only thing he could produce was a letter from the librarian at the London <laughs> Library requesting the return of some overdue books. And this seemed official enough for the guards to let him through the checkpoint, which is rather rather fun and lucky yeah. for him. So, yeah, um, yeah there's a, a nice little story about him in his time here using the library. Great. So, so that was your younger... Yeah. Chartered on a on a farm yeah. in Somerset. Yeah. Um, the next book you selected, and I, I'm assuming this is also to do with your childhood, yeah. perhaps more so, is is Wisden, the Almanac, the Cricketers' Almanac. Not just Almanac. my childhood. Ah, so this is continuing oh, throughout. God, yes. Oh, tell started, us about your relationship it, with Wisden. It started in my childhood. Well, my love of cricket started in my childhood, and uh, my mother is still a member at Somerset Cricket Club, and she goes down to Taunton. Um, whenever she can. She's 90 this year. 90. And she goes down whenever the weather's not too hot or too cold. And she, I swear to God that she's staying alive until Somerset win the county championship. And then once they have, <laughs> then she can you know, pass but they, on. They used to have a fantastic team, I remember. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the one we've got here is 1977. And um, it's the, well... Viv Richards was one of the cricketers of the year in that year. He needs maybe one of my well, he's one definitely one of my favourite players. Mm. Him and him and both of them. Um, but Viv was just I mean, he's so cool. I mean, when he walks out when he walked out to bat, he just looked amazing. Mm. You know, you just think 
you know, no, no um, head guard. He just walked out chewing gum. Ah, he was such a great cricketer. Yeah. Such a great thing. And unfortunately, 1977 was the a year that Somerset again failed to win anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think the next year they did. And then ah, they came, okay. became sort of serial winners for a, a, for quite a while, actually. And that, so, I, I mean, I love cricket then and I still love cricket now. And I'm a member of the MCC now after a friend of mine put me down for membership. It must have been, well, just after 1977, 1978, something like that. Mm-hmm. And eventually I became a member. And so now, I can go and sit in the pavilion and watch the cricket. So how did Wisden itself um, come into your life? I mean, did you... uh, Because I I have to say, I mean, I enjoy cricket as well, but I've never really got to grips with Wisden because at the end of the day, it is essentially a set of facts and figures and the results of all the matches and so on. (laughs) What's not to like? You know, you just want things to be... In, a, in an order, I suppose. And mm-hmm. I suppose it just helps you make sense of the world, mm-hmm. doesn't it? You know, these days it's so crazy out there. Everything is so messed up and so chaotic mm-hmm. that maybe something like wisdom in those statistics, you know, just mm-hmm. keeps things... Maybe it helps you keep things in order, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know. <laughs> it, that's fascinating, fascinating. This, this here in my hands is the first uh, copy of the first wisdom that we have in the library, 1864, which is the, the first one. And uh, there's a lovely inscription at the beginning from John Wisden, let's say from John Wisden and Company to the reader. Uh, In offering our first edition of the Cricketer's Almanac to the patrons of the noble game, we have taken great pains to collect a certain amount of information, which we trust will prove interesting to all those who take (laughs) pleasure in this glorious pastime. Should the present work meet with but moderate success, it is intended next year to present our readers with a variety of other matches, which the confined nature of an almanac precludes us from doing this year. <laughs> and it is indeed a, quite a slim yes. edition, this first one, compared with the, the famously very fat yeah. uh, editions that came, came later and continue to come out today. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a run from the end of the Second World War to today. And one of these, <laughs> one of these days I'll start collecting before the Second World War. Yeah. Well, I, but I gather some of the early ones are, uh, are quite rare and valuable. Yeah, yeah so. too expensive. That's why I started after the Second World War. So um, I'm guessing that the next one on your list in the chronological order yes. might be The Secret Agent yes, by Joseph exactly. Conrad. Is that exactly. right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So when when did you read this? And I was, I was introduced to Conrad, I suppose, by Apocalypse Now and um, then reading Heart of Darkness. Mm-hmm. And then since then I've read everything by him. I think he's amazing. I mean, I, I guess it's quite similar in a way to um, Arthur Ransom in that he creates these other worlds. You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's the thing that I like most about writing is, you know, you just go, takes you somewhere else. And, you know, he Nostromo is one another one of my favourites of his. And that is a, you know, completely, you know, made up, country in South America obviously you know it's based on sort of various places but I suppose it's that you know just taking you away from somewhere else and maybe mm-hmm. it's that thing again of you know just trying to find some order in a and a chaotic world I don't know really mm-hmm. but I just love him and I think he's he's probably my favorite sort of writer of all time I guess but he was a member here mm-hmm. as well late 19th century he joined and uh, so while he was writing his most famous books he was a member here actually heart of yeah. darkness included the one you've selected here is secret agent yeah why the secret agent what was what did i mean you it could have been one of any, could have really, one of any yeah. yeah maybe it's because it's so relevant now 
I suppose. It is, isn't That's it? That's the thing. I mean, that was written in 1907. The one you're yeah. looking at there is a first edition from the wow. library. Yeah, so it's a, a 1907 edition. It's been well read, as yeah. you can see, and well borrowed. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but it's all there. And, uh, yes, no, I read it um, recently, actually, yeah. and I was struck by how um, relevant it is today yeah. because, obviously, it's about political terrorism exactly yeah and, uh, and how people get dragged in and exactly. some you know and you know you have these naive kind of people dragged in by these kind of intellectuals who kind of who are trying to push them to do something do their mm. dirty work for them mm. and sometimes you know you look some of the, some of these is islamists or kids who get sucked into things you can see how it happens it's just you know and this was 1907, 1907 years ago. and the rise of the of the secret service again um, yeah. and as you say the political masters pulling the, <laughs> pulling the strings um a different yeah. one actually i found it also slightly comic as well i mean mm. there's some dark humor in there yes i don't i, mean, yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> if that's reading it with today's eyes or uh, or whether that was all intended at the time but it, it, yeah. some of the characters certainly have a humorous side to them yes I they think. do yeah so you 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 read that some time ago now yes yeah so um i think coming up more close to date yep. and I don't know which of these would come next in order as it were but I'm guessing The Rings of Saturn by um, No actually Bordeaux. I think um, Richard Ford yes. Richard Ford yeah, Canada Richard Ford. Great well because, um, tell us about that one I'd say Richard Ford is probably my favourite current writer Right. I mean, again I've read everything he's written and um, I think the first time he came over here in oh god it must have been the early 80s Granter did this book this um this book called uh, Dirty Realism, and it had people like Richard Ford, Raymond Carver, Tobias Wolfe, who were all these kind of gritty new American writers who were quite, you know, very taut books and very brief and very, you know, quite down, I suppose, a lot of them. But anyway, they did an event at the um, London Poetry Society in Earl's Court, mm. I think it was, and I went along to the reading, and they had, yeah, Richard Ford, Tobias Wolfe, and Raymond Carver, who was my favourite at the time, Raymond Carver, he died, unfortunately, a long time ago, um, but we went to that, and that's the early 80s, and then Richard Ford, he did a, um, a kind of a reading and signing in my local bookshop in mm. near Oxford, this was about when Canada came out, and I went along, and... Uh, sad man that I am I took my book along to get him to sign it and I told him oh I went to the um Earl's Court Poetry Society reading he goes wow and he remembered it he remembered the date there was very few people there but um he remembered everything about it and uh, it's because his British publisher was there and that's where he got signed up to um oh, become really? a, you know and he remembered everything about it and I think actually he was quite touch but you know what i mean i think he thought wow somebody who saw me there and is still reading my yes. books i think he actually quite liked it um, you know i love him i think he's so good and so do you find that you enjoy books set in america or the american style of writing particularly yeah i mean i think about this quite a lot actually because um lots of music i listen to is american and mm. lots of my favorite writers are american and yet american you know i go to america quite a lot because of the shop there and yet america is such a crazy place and it is such a diverse place and on the one hand you have these amazing sort of intellectuals like richard ford or willie vloutin who write great books and the amazing musicians but then on the other hand you have donald trump and that kind of that crazy world out there and you know how you know how do you square that circle i mean it is you know it's so odd 
Yeah, it's part of the magic of America, really, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? The melting yes. pot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, then that brings us to the last of your chosen books, yeah. which is The Rings of Saturn yeah. by W.G. Seabold. Yeah. So I uh, I took this one off the shelves and um, had a little read of it. And uh, I actually hadn't read it before. And it's yeah. a striking book. But yeah. um, I don't know if you're aware that the it's actually has a sort of a dedication at the start, or at least a quote Ooh. from Joseph Conrad. Yeah, I did, did not know did that. You know? <laughs> it's in French, so I don't know if yeah. you care to translate it for us. We? <laughs> oui? I, can, I can tell you what Google says, if yeah. you like. It's basically about walking through life, yeah. looking and not seeing the what's behind everything that exists, I think is essentially the yes, message. Yes, exactly, yes. Um, so, uh, which I, I was, I, I, it's not easy to understand, but I think that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. And I think that the, therefore, that's why it's been selected for this book, yeah. because it's it's about, obviously, um, Mr. Siebold having his walk through Suffolk. Yeah, exactly. And digressing into... Yeah into very interesting stories of history yeah. and so on that, that as his mind wanders really but you yeah. get a lot of detail in those stories exactly, don't yeah. you? I suppose I love it because it's that it is like a lot of books that I like it's that kind of walk through life and it's like tra- songs about trains you know it's not just about you know a song about a train it's about you know life and it's mm. about how you sort of progress through life and I suppose with Seabald it's kind of that you know those memories and it's quite hazy and I suppose he also deals a lot in maybe it's you know age as you get older you know <laughs> you know sort of how you remember things and how you don't remember things and how people mm. remember things differently mm. and, you know you can be in the same place with the same person and they'll remember it in a completely different way mm. and it's also about decay i suppose and kind of the impending mm. end oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes i mean I, I i i really enjoyed um the fact that he's off on a journey yes. but that this his the stories are sparked by something he sees um and he'll and he'll go off on a flight of fancy yes, but exactly. uh, he might well be telling you about yeah. something in history yeah. but it's it's uh it struck me that when you go off on a on a walk if you do do a walking holiday i've done a few in my in my time <laughs> yes. as well and you you do your your mind wanders across this wonderful scenery and things that will yeah. pique your interest but you might find yourself talking to your companions about all sorts of different things. And yeah. it just felt very realistic to me that there is a journey underpinning it. But the um, the things that were really interesting were the other stories that were sparked yes, exactly, by, the, yeah. by the journey. And it's mm. that kind of yeah, sparking off. There's a lot, there's a big chapter on Conrad in here. And um, mm. that just kind of reinforces my love of both of them, really, and how they're quite... Um, similar really mm. in the in the way they sort of tell stories and stuff and of course i love that part of suffolk as well you right. know, walk. i've never maybe one day i should do that walk yeah you know and um see because it's got a map in here again it's got you know maps in here and i just love that sort of tracing them down and yeah. seeing where they go yeah it's sad he died in a car crash and he was yeah. a professor of um literature at uea i think it was um, but I've read all, again, I've read all his books and, uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, he is so good, so interesting, I think. So that's the last of the book selections. Anything that you've read that you particularly feel maybe from your selection today that 
that you'd really recommend other people read you want it to be a known book like like you've discovered a a band and you feel yeah. that they need to be heard by lots of people and once obviously they get popular you're going to move on to the next thing yeah well I, my favorite at the moment is this guy called willie vloutin and he's in a band as well called uh, richmond fontaine and the delines and a few like you know raymond carver richard ford that sort of mm. thing and actually he wrote the um book uh, lean on pete i just love him i think he's so good but in that kind of uh, you know dirty realism style it is really yeah. and it's all a bit uh, it's the other side of america i suppose i just think he writes a really good story and mm-hmm. writes it really mm-hmm. well as well i love his music and i love his books i love everything about it so willie vloutin is the person i would recommend oh, great recommendation yeah. we'll put that on the website it's been great talking to you and um, really interesting to hear what you've selected and hear about all your life and your time at rough trade fantastic thank you very much. thanks very much phil Thank you for listening. And to find out more about the London Library, please visit our website at londonlibrary.co.uk. Please check the links in the show notes and rate us and subscribe.